Y'all can go ahead and praise him a little bit. Hallelujah. Come on, give God some praise. Give God some praise. Give him some praise. Give him some praise. This is how we praise him. This is how we praise him. Hallelujah. Glory. This is how we praise him. Hallelujah. Oh. Every now and then you got to take a praise break. I don't know what your day has been to you. I know what my day has been to me. But I'm determined to praise and bless and magnify my God. Hallelujah. We give him glory. We give him honor. We give him praise. Oh. The hands of the enemy did not triumph. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. I count it an honor and a privilege to stand up here before you. It is always an honor and a privilege. I appreciate the Lord for making room for me. We are going to go to the book of Acts, chapter 27. Hallelujah. Whoa, glory. Thank you, Lord. Chapter 27, we are going to start. Uh, Lord, we bless your name. We give you glory. We give you honor. We give you praise. We shut the mouth of Satan right now in the name of Jesus. We bind every evil work, every evil attitude, oh God. We bind those things that come to hinder us, oh God, from hearing your word. Father, tonight, God, I sit at the table, oh God. Hallelujah. We are your people, God, and we want nothing more than a word from you. One word from you, God, can change everything hallelujah in our lives we praise you we give you glory honor and praise bless our pastor our bishop their families god every family that's represented here tonight god hallelujah speak a right now word god that will help us when we leave here to be better for you in jesus name thank you lord acts 27 tonight i pray will be very interactive uh I called and I got permission before I brought it up. Uh, I got a, a text, and I'm sure many of us did, a call, a text about Brother Kenny Taylor, Elder Kenny Taylor, a few days ago. And before I got that call, uh, I was down on the floor trying to have prayer. But I was wrestling, tussling, spiritual warfare. I didn't know what was going on. And so I got up off my knees because I felt defeated hallelujah and as I went I stood over in front of the window and I just started crying and I said Lord I still believe and those tears got good and that thing got real and the next text I got was from Minister Rashida Taylor saying that they had got the call about his kidney and they were on their way to the hospital so tonight, that's what I want to talk to you about. Miracles, signs, and wonders. Lord, I still believe. 
Ooh, y'all pray for me. Because I bless God. You know, God is so good in how he ministers to us. How he just comes by and touches us and does different little things to lift our heads up. You know? So I praise him for that. We're going to the book of Acts chapter 27. And I called on a few people to help me. So when I call on you, please be ready for me. But we're going to talk about Brother Paul. Brother Paul. This is one of my favorite set of scriptures. Some, all of it is good, but you know you always have those, those good ones. And this is about Paul, of course, and he's uh, dealing with Eurycliton or Eurycliton. Uh, he's out on the ocean or on the water, and he's been given specific instructions to tell them not to go to a specific place, but of course they went anyway. And Paul is talking to God every step of the way. Paul is in prison also at this point. Uh, he is in bonds, he is down, and it's amazing to me how he's the one that's in prison, but they're listening to him. Yes. So he's been put in a very delicate position. So we're going to start with verse 1. We're going to read just a little bit because my principal text will come from Acts 27. Uh, I don't know where the Lord is going to take us from there, but I just believe if we can work on what we believe. Uh, I thought about Minister Bell. I always use her as a point of reference because she allows me to. <laughs> but when we were outside on Saturday or Sunday with the... the uh, family outreach that we were doing. I came around the corner and I don't even know why I ran right into her and she was so excited. She said, yes, y'all come on in. And I began to think, I said, Lord, what in the world are you doing? You know, but we have to get excited. Be in expectation when we want to see souls coming in. There were people walking up, they were clapping and dancing before they even got over there where the word was and we were all strategically placed, handing out this and doing that. And I just began to think about it. I said, look at these people coming from everywhere. Now, we're on this same corner every day. But God, so concerned about souls and, and driving the point home that I want them to come in. I want them to come in. I want them to come in. But we got to be in place for miracles, signs, and wonders. And I begin to think about Paul. Paul's journey is not an easy one. Paul's journey is something. And I thought about even in the earlier uh, book of Acts when the Lord told him, he said, listen, come on, I'm going to show you how great things you're going to suffer for my name's sake. And I thought about that if I knew what I was going to have to go through, would I still believe? Would I still follow the Lord and, and expect miracles, signs, and wonders to follow my life if uh, uh, I knew what it was going to cost me. So we're going to the book of Acts. Hallelujah. Let's start at verse 1. We're going to read quite a bit in this particular chapter. Kind of pick out some good things. Um, it's amazing to me what God will use to save you. So we're going to start at verse 1. It says, And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, 
they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners. Now notice they're calling Paul out. Some of the other prisoners are mentioned later on, but Paul is mentioned specifically because he's God's man for the plan. They're all on the same boat. They're all, and Paul is with them, but really, they're with him. So it says, unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band, and entering into a ship of Adramitum, we launched, meaning to sail by the coast of Asia, one Aristarchus and Macedonian of Thessalonica being with us. The next day we touched at Sidon. So they're going to be traveling on this, this boat for a while. Their intentions are to deliver Paul uh, to Rome. He's got to go because that was the purpose for him. He's in prison, of course, for preaching the gospel. He's in trouble, according to man, not with God. But he's on, a, on an assignment, if you will. He's on an assignment. And he's got to get somewhere specific, but he's got to go through here in order to get there. So it says they entered into that ship. It said they touched the next day, so a day that went past. And Julius courteously entreated Paul. They're treating him nice. Uh, you know that as a prisoner all the time, you don't get treated nice. You know, we hear stories all the time of how they treat the prisoners in the jails and what they do to them and how they, they torture them and mistreat them and abuse them. But Paul is being treated comfortably and well. No doubt these men on this boat trust him. They trust him and what he has to say. They've heard about him. They know for a fact that this man knows what he's talking about when he talks about his God. So it says, when we had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. Now they're getting a little bit of turbulence. They're getting a little bit of turbulence, and, and, and it's pushing the boat around a little bit. Hasn't gotten to the point where it's unbearable, but it's pushing the boat around a little bit. Paul's not worried, but the rest of them are starting to chitter-chatter. They're having conversations on the boat. They get nervous. Because the winds are picking up, you know, and that's how it is in our lives sometimes when the winds start picking up. But because we're rooted and grounded in the word of God, God doesn't allow the outside world to see how bad it is. We know how bad it is, but sometimes he don't even allow them to see what it's going to be. So he says, we launched from this, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed over the sea of Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship. So he done found another boat. We're going to get off of this one. Amen. And we're going to get on another one. They're trying to hide Paul as well and keep him so that they can get him where he needs to go. And it says, and when we had sailed slowly many days... And scarce were come over against uh, Nidus, the wind not suffering us. We sailed under Crete over against Salmon. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I'll call on Elder Mike Jones in a minute to help me with that. Uh, where they're going, the weather is not going very well. For the lack of better words, it's almost compared to hurricane season. 
uh, the winds are kicking, it's, it's blowing, it's harsh, it's rough. They're having trouble and Paul has already told them, don't go over by that way because it's going to be a little bit more dangerous to go over there. But they're going to go anyway. You know, that's, we spend a lot of time talking to our family, our friends, to people, you know, but we don't give up on them just because they don't do what we ask them to do. A lot of things stood out to me in this chapter, how patient Paul was. Paul was very patient, even though he could have gotten angry, he could have gotten upset, he could have gotten frustrated, he could have gotten uh, beside himself and say, didn't I tell you? You know, and eventually he said something to them, but it was not to the point where God hadn't given him a word for them. So he says, now when much time was spent and the sailing was now dangerous. Sometimes we are in dangerous positions. Uh, uh, Paul's on a boat. Some of us are on our jobs. Some of us are in our homes. Some of us are out in the communities. And it gets dangerous. Because we're living, I don't know about you, but I watch the news a couple of times a day. I'm not an avid news watcher because it's so depressing at times. But I watch the news and there's literally been a killing every single night for the last however many months. We've got so much going on with gun violence. Uh, four people last night, three people the night before, four or five people the night before. I mean, just consistently go murder every single night. Domestic violence, things going on right around us. And yet, we are safe. Because God protects us. Because we are praying people. Because we are people that are headed off at the path, if you will. God keeps us from impending danger. The Bible says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous, they run into there and they are safe. And so I'm looking at Paul. Paul says unto them, let's skip down to verse 10. And he says, sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt, much damage, the lading of the ship and also of our lives. And he's telling them, listen, I want you to understand that if you go this direction, that it is going to cost you something. Now, Paul's not shaken. He's not bothered, but he knows. He's already been given the word from the Lord. Listen, don't go that way because it is going to cost us something. But yet Paul is going to stay on the boat with them and he's going to go. And he's telling them, listen, it's not just going to be dangerous. There's going to be hurt, much damage, not only of the ship, but of our lives. And I thought about us as the people of God. We want to see miracles, signs, and wonders. There are some of us, uh, Elder Taylor, one day I came in. Uh, he was sitting in the parking lot. He didn't see me. I saw him, he was sitting in the car, his head was down. And I walked over because I thought he was in trouble. And he said, sis, I'm not feeling very well. He said, pray for me. And the tears began to well up in my eyes, but I didn't want to cry because I knew he needs some help right now, you know. But what stood out to me, that brother drug himself to church. 
He knew he was sick. He knew he wasn't feeling well. But he knew I'm not going to get better just staying at home. So he was sitting on the parking lot. And later on, I found out he had told his wife, listen, you go on in. I'll stay out here until the Lord touched my body and I start feeling a little better and I can go inside. That thing inspired me. Because I began to think about my own life. Do I have that type of tenacity and determination that I want to see God move so much and so bad that I'm willing to press past everything that I have going on to come to the house of God, make myself available, make myself a, a prey, if you will, and, and come in and sit down, hear the word of the Lord, get up, pray for people, fast, do whatever it takes. To see these souls be born again. To call on God for our families. To sit through praise and worship. All the things that we're going through. Are we willing? Because by the end of this journey, this young man says, but I believe God. That thing messed me up. Because all I could think was Paul's been kidnapped, beaten, threatened, arrested. Uh, he's been accused, he's been interrogated, he's been ridiculed, he's been ignored. And yet, he's, he's going on this boat and he's going on. He's got an assignment and he's going on. So he tells them, there's going to be some problems because of the direction that we're taking. But he's not bothered. He's not bothered at all. So he says, nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. You ever been around somebody like that? You can tell them and tell them and tell them and tell them. As the old saying would say to, their, to your blue in the face. And no matter what you tell them, they determine they're going to they go that way. But you still take the route of praying for them, fasting for them, calling on God for them. Even though you know they're going to make shipwreck. So he tells them, it said, they, listen, I'm, I'm going to believe what the other people, the other conversations that they're having. You know, it is dangerous to listen to people that are not hearing from the voice of God. It is absolutely critical and imperative that we hear from the right voice. Paul had gotten instructions and clear instructions. But it says that he chose to listen to the master and to the others more than he would Paul. And it says, if by any means they might attain to finish and there to winter, to is an haven of Crete and lieth toward the southwest and northwest. He's planning his direction. He's going that direction, even though Paul has told him it's going to be rough. It said, and when the south wind blew, softly, it was a trick. Because they got that soft wind, they thought, where we're going, the weather's going to be favorable for us. But they had already been given clear instructions. Already been given clear instructions. Don't go over there. So it says when that south wind blew, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, 
They loosed the sail and decided to stop. So it brings me to my, my point about Paul. Paul is a determined individual. He is not saying anything right now. He knows what he's heard. He knows what's been spoken to him. He's not going to change it or alter it. He's going to let them do what they're going to do. There's no doubt in my mind, you know, the scriptures doesn't make reference to it, but because this is a praying man, I would tend to believe if I know that there's impending danger, Paul is probably somewhere praying because he knows this is going to be something else. This ride is going to be something else. And it's not no different than you and I. The ride is going to be something else. We're on this earth. We get to see all the stuff that goes on, whether it's our neighbors, uh, friends, family. You know, uh, uh, I got a call to do because I did some balloons for a family member. And she said, I want the Jack Daniel thing. said the what <laughs> now I know I ain't been saved that long and I'd have forgot about some Jack Daniels but I wasn't a drinker so for me I was thinking why would you ask me to do a Jack Daniels thing why would you ask me that I said now I'll do the colors of the balloons for you but I'm, I'm not going to do the Jack Daniels thing you got to come up with the theme on your own but it, it never ceased to amaze me how they look to us for the help they need but there's always, if there's an occasion I can draw you in, I'm going to do that too. If I could persuade you to forget about this God that's performing miracles, signs and wonders for you. If I could get you to stop talking about him for a little bit. Get you to set to the side and come have a drink with us. Come smoke some smoke with us. There's always an opportunity, and those are our opportunities to impress them that much the more about our God. So in thinking about this particular text with Paul, we're going to continue to read, but I want to skip down to uh, verse 22 because they've stopped the boat. And I want to start to call on my people, but I, the reason why I had other people to come and help me tonight is because when I first got it, I thought, I still believe. I, I really still believe. But then, uh, upon talking with somebody, I said, well, there are some things that maybe we need help with our belief. Because even though I'm saved, sanctified, tongue-talking, you know, hand-clapping, you know, when we get out there and deal with them souls, that's a horse of another color. We're all great as long as we in here together. But when we go out there, it is completely different. You find out how much you know about the word. You find out if you know how to talk to a soul. You find out if uh, what you're telling them is correct or incorrect. Because believe it or not, they know when you're off. They know when you're telling them something that don't add up and don't make no sense. They know when you really don't believe what you're telling me about. They know. Those people came in in groves, but yet there were some, like the young lady that got baptized. I don't know how long they talked to her, but I know that she stood there long enough and listened. I know she agreed, and eventually she went down in Jesus' name. 
You got to get into your word. You know, they know when we're making it up. They know when we're feeling our way around, when you can't tell somebody how to receive the Holy Ghost. That's not just up to the ministers. Every saint of God ought to know how to tell somebody. Why do you believe what you believe? What is it about your persuasion and what you're walking in and what you're talking about? That has kept you going that direction. So when I talked to my people, I told them, I said, this particular arena of Bible class is going to be, you're going to tell me what your storm in contrast to Paul's storm, and then tell me, do you still believe and why do you? Why do you still believe after all you've been through? After the sickness, Minister Bell, you got right up and praise God. Why? What is pushing you to still believe after all that you suffered, all that you're going through, all that you're feeling, whether it's in your body, in your finances, whatever you, what is it that has got you anchored and got you feeling like I can trust God with my situation? Elder Mike Jones. If you would, it's your turn. Help us out with Brother Paul's Eurachlodon. Yes, sir. There we go. All right, so uh, talking about storms. Yeah, y'all know anything about it? Come on. How much time do I have? Two hours? <laughs> I don't know. And why'd you let me go first, right? <laughs> y'all know I'm never at a loss for words. I, I got things to tell you, but I'm going to be good because she got other people that she's going to have come up. But uh, when she first asked me to talk about storms, uh, we all know what the storms of life are like. Yes. Anybody not know? Does anybody not know what we mean by storm, right? The storms of life. I don't, I don't care, older, younger, middle age, it don't matter, right? Male, female, all of us, right, are going to deal with storms of life in some way, shape, form, or fashion. So as I began to think about that question about a storm, you know, I, I did one of your numbers, Minister Tate. I said, you know, what is a storm? Storm is a tempest. Anybody know what a tempest is? I didn't. I had to look it up. All right. So a tempest, all right, is an extensive current of wind rushing with great velocity and violence. All right. A storm of extreme violence. All right. So it's not just wind, but violent wind. I think they said we had how many tornadoes? Three, four, four tornadoes. All right. So, I mean, so it's not just wind, but it, it's violent wind because everybody deals with issues and problems in this life, everybody. But sometimes those winds of problems, right, they come with such intensity and force. We're all used to dealing with a little bit of problems, but sometimes we're dealing with a whole lot of problems. That's what a storm, a tempest is talking about. When you think about a storm, you know, again, nobody's immune from it. I think sometimes we think that saints, we, we got it, right, because we're serving the Lord Jesus Christ Therefore, we're having storms. But here's 
the, the, what you find out is that whether you're a saint or a sinner, y'all know that? It don't matter, right? Saints and sinners alike go through the storm. You, you want, don't take my word for it, Matthew 7, 24 through 27 talks about two people that built their house. Christine, was that what you was thinking? No? no okay, I just, I'm angel, you was thinking of that. Somebody was thinking that, right? But, right, two people, they built a house. One built their house on what? Right, they built their house on the rock, and the other built their house on the sand, all right? But in both occasions, what came? The storm, right? Sinners and saints alike are going to endure some storms. But here's the difference, right? The name of the Lord, strong tower. The righteous, and what? So here's the thing that we remember just as we start to face our storms of life. Number one, don't be shocked that storms come. Just like the other day, the tornadoes. Did anybody know the tornadoes were coming the other day? Right? No, no, no big advance warning. You didn't know a week in advance. We might not have known that day. They just really pop up. But when the storm comes, we know that we've got a place of shelter and where to go. Well, that's what Paul understood. So he's in a, a real storm. This is not a, a metaphor of a storm. He's in the really a storm, right? You said a hurricane is what I would think about. Um, what do you call it when it's a hurricane on water? Typh oh, there you go. All right. All right. Y'all been to school. Typhoon. All right. I, I didn't know that. Didn't have, have that down in my notes. Right. So Paul is in the middle of this real typhoon, okay? And here's the other thing that Paul, and when we're talking about storms on tonight, let's level set. This is not a storm that Paul bought on himself. All right, because what we like to do is what? The storms of life come, something that I, you know, caused, and Lord, why you allow me to go through what I'm going through? Well, sometimes, right, that's just a storm you bought on yourself. So this is not what we're talking about. We're not talking about a storm I bought on myself, is something that God allowed in my life. So when God allows a storm in my life, you know, what's my response? Number one, if you wait until the storm comes to get ready, it's what? It's what? It's too late. If you wait until the storm comes to get ready, it's too late. So what? somebody help me out. What are some things that you would naturally do? Don't go all spiritual yet. But what are some natural things you would do? The tornadoes were coming the other day. What are some natural things that you would do? Right? You would prepare, right? What do you prepare? What do they tell you to have what? Right. Board up your windows, all right. Fortify. What else? What should you have? Right. Some what? Right. Go, go to a safe place. Right? What would you say? Right. A hiding place, right? A man shall be a hiding place. How much time do I have? Am I, am I over, over loud already? All right. I'll be good. I see y'all see, I getting all preachy in you. All right. I'm going to be good. But here's the thing, right? You prepare before the storm comes. How do we prepare for these storms? You said it already. We prepare in prayer. Yes. You know, and that's why, you know, all of us that are already prayers, we have learned how to pray because we learn that storms are going to what? They're going to come. The storms are coming. And you got to be ready for the storm before it gets here. Because I'm going to tell y'all, sometimes storms came in my life and I was unprepared. All right? Like the three little pigs, right? Huff and puff and blow your house down. Sometimes I, I didn't got blown over. All right, so prepare. Prepare in prayer. Prepare in the word, right? Get ready. Shelter in Jesus, right? Know where to go when your storm comes. That's what Paul knew. All right, and so when I thought about my storm, I just thought about, give a, a quick example. Lots of different storms you could talk about, right? Health storms, financial storms, 
relational storms. I mean, it's a lot of storms that we could all pass the mic around and we could talk about the storms that we've had in our lives. But the storm the Lord had me to think about was the storm I had on my job. So I've been on my job. Y'all heard me testify 25 years. Thank you, Jesus. So God blessed me 25 years, but I had an opportunity. I want to say that was in 2017. So 2017, I'm well established on my job. What's that, six years ago? Right? So I was six years ago. I was, what, 19 years on my job at the time. So I'd already been around for a while. I knew a thing or two. I felt, felt pretty good. You ever got to that place? You know, you're feeling pretty good. I know I might not be the best, but I'm okay. I know how to sustain and how to get through some things. So I got this opportunity to open up a new facility. And I'm thinking that this is going to be great, right? I mean, it's a brand new opportunity. Open up this new facility. And they, they picked who? They picked me, right? They picked me. I was so happy and so excited. And I was so happy and excited. I went home. I told my dad. Y'all remember Deke Jones? I, I went and told my dad. I said, Dad, guess what? They picked me to open up this new building. You know what my daddy told me? It's going to be terrible. That's what I said, Lay. I said, Dad, you can't tell me that. You can't tell me it's going to be terrible. But my daddy had what? He had some, yeah, he had some wisdom. He had some experience. And matter of fact, if anything, daddy undersold it because it was a catastrophe. Right? I was, uh, I was the only one that had any type of experience. I had all brand new people at every level across. And I was the one responsible. I was the one that had to, to answer and so I'm going through this storm, and it made me think about that. But what I thank God for is that going through that storm, I had prepared years of preparation, walking with the Lord, had prepared me, and it's what sustained me in the storm. Here's something from Paul's life, right, you know, that sustained him in the storm. And I don't know um, if you're already going to go there, but let's go to Acts 27, 21, and I promise I'm going to wrap this up. But let's do Acts 27, 21, but after long abstinence. All right, so some things, long abstinence, sometimes you just got to wait. When, when the storms of life come, and let me give you a tip, all right, don't, to not act out of character, don't say nothing sometimes. When you don't know what's going on, all right, Job didn't charge God foolishly. Sometimes you're not going to know, and God don't have to tell you because he's God, but you know when you're in the storm, sometimes just, just be quiet a minute, right? Just wait. So if you find yourself in a storm right now, just wait. Wait on the Lord, all right? So after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them, sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me, not have loosed from Crete, yes. and to have gained this harm and this loss. Verse 22. And now I exhort you to what? Be to be of good cheer. All right? So here's what it is. Surrender in the storm. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. Next verse. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. Next verse. Come on. Come on. All right. Saying, fear not, Paul, thou must be bought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given all them that sell with thee. Next verse. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. So even when I was in this storm of life, put in a situation I didn't ask to be in, facing all kind of difficulty, test, trial, trouble, wanted to quit, all those things, um, it, was a, it was a very, very rough experience. But when I waited on God, you know, God came and he strengthened me in the storm. Anybody know about that? Anybody ever got strengthened in the storm? You just wait on God. I'm going to tell you what God will do for you. God will strengthen you in the storm. Not only will God strengthen you, he'll strengthen you so much that you'll turn around and encourage other people. See, because what? here's the last thing. Last thing. All right, I'm good. All right, last thing. 
is that what you got to realize that the storm ain't about you. Thank you, Jesus. All right. So what you got to realize, God is allowing you to endure this great trial of affliction. All right. Number one. So it's going to be a testimony to help. That happened like 2000 years ago. Y'all know this, right? This is like 2000 years old. And we're still talking about it and using it as a reference today. Why? Because you know what? We know that if God did it for Paul back then, he'll do it for us. He'll do it for us right now. God is going to get you through whatever storm that you're going through. God got me through that storm and took me onto the other side. And God gave me the victory and a testimony that I can stand up here and tell. I didn't get defeated in the storm. And I'm telling you, the winds were blowing, the waves were raging, all that stuff was going on. But in the midst of it, I could be a good cheer. But here, here's my thing. But don't take my word for it. I could just be making all that, that up because it sounds good, Octavia. So, you know what? Now, this is I'm really going to need my glasses now. So, um, over the years, 25 years, basically as a management person on my job, and uh, people occasionally will write me ni- nice notes. And uh, here's a note from somebody. Let me see if I can make it big enough for I can read it. All right. All right. Here's what I say. I'm going to read it verbatim. Mike Jones, please accept this letter as a formal notification that I'm leaving my position as a part-time supervisor at UPS on March 30th, 2018. Thank you for the opportunity, guidance, and leadership you showed on a daily basis. I honestly feel that it was a blessing working for you. One thing that I will take away from this experience is that no matter how bad the situation looked, you never compromised on your values. No matter how frustrated you were, you always showed everyone the utmost respect. Between you and myself, I do not normally see a man carry himself as a true man of God every day. I am more than grateful to have worked for you. One thing that was very powerful is that when you were checking on me the first week, I had to leave work. And you said you would be praying for me. Oftentimes, that seems like a throwaway statement, but I felt it was very sincere. Sincerely, Damian Wilson. Here's the point. I, I don't know that I even remember that because I was going through. I was suffering and struggling. But the fact that, you know, we could maintain our godliness, it, it wasn't just about me, y'all. What we go through as Christians, as God's people, as saints, it's not about me. And if we get out of that, it's all about me mentality and we start serving God, God will get glorified and people will be able to do what that man saw in me. He saw God in me. Come on, give Brother Mike, Elder Mike Jones a hand. The Bible says that they were healed as they went by the blood of the lamb and the words of their testimonies. A lot of times our test, as he just beautifully stated, is not just for us. It is for somebody else. The way we live causes somebody else to believe. Nobody wants to believe if they don't have an example as to what they're believing in. I don't want to believe in God if you can't show me what this God is about. So through our lives, God shows man what and who he is. When you think about the man with the withered hand, Matthew 12 and 9 through 13. Can we pull that up? Can you imagine, because I thought about it, I didn't think about it before, but withered means his hand wasn't always like that. Withered means at some point he had 
complete use of that hand and it deteriorated. So he had two hands, but the one is now withered to the point where he does not have the use of a hand. And it says, but when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, they that behold need not a physician, but they that are sick. Next verse. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice, for I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Next verse. Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast often? But thy disciples fast not. Next verse. And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. Jesus had to show them everything they needed to do once he was gone. He had to show them how it was going to be done. Now that Jesus is not physically with us, but with us in spirit, we have to know these things in order to continue. And I think I pulled up the wrong scriptures on the man with the withered hand. I know it's Matthew chapter 12. All right, there we go. And when he was departed thence, he went into their synagogue. Next verse. And behold, there was a man. I love how Jesus always singles them out. He never makes it a, a, a group effort, but he always individualizes his care for us. He says, which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days that they might accuse him? They were trying to figure out a way to get rid of Jesus then. But Jesus was on an assignment. Once again, he's on an assignment. And he said unto them, what man shall there be among you that shall, listen to this. He's coming up with a whole nother scenario. They talking about what you can and can't do on the Sabbath. And he comes back with this answer. Which one of you, if you had a sheep fall in a pit, wouldn't leave them and go help lift it up out of the pit? He's still talking about souls. He's still talking about the business at hand. He's not distracted by what they're talking about. Next verse. How much then is a man better than a sheep? Wherefore is it, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. In other words, I have to be the same whether it's a Sabbath day or not. I have to be able to represent the kingdom whether I'm at church or whether I'm gone. I have to be able to do what I need to do whether people are looking at me or whether they're not. Next verse. Then saith he to the man, the man, the man. Now there are people standing around but this man has an issue. He has a problem. He has a circumstance. And it says, I can't read that. Let me get it for myself. Hold on now. Help me out. What does it say? Read that last part. Restored whole. Like the other one. That is a miracle. A miracle is described as a surprising and welcoming event 
that is not explainable by natural or scientific laws. It is therefore considered to be a work of a divine agency. Highly improbable or extraordinary event or development and accomplishment that brings welcoming consequences. So by this man getting his hand healed, the others are watching on, and now there's all type of talk. Did you see what Jesus did? That's what happens in our lives when we're willing to go through the storm. That's what happens in our lives when we're willing to yield to the storm and not resist. Back over here with Paul. Let's go back. Acts 27. Paul not only tells them, don't worry about it. I told you not to go over there, but don't worry about it. He says, it's going to be just as it was told to me. I believe God. Now, can you imagine standing up in the middle of this boat? They see the winds. They see the waves. They don't have the belief that he has. And he tells them, don't worry about it. I believe God. And they looking at him, I can about imagine, probably like, they, like he's crazy. What are you talking about? This boat is tearing up. So they decided to let down uh, the anchors. And they decided to park that boat there. But eventually, they were going to try to jump overboard. But Paul told them, don't go nowhere except you abide in the ship. That's your encouraging word for tonight. Except you abide in the ship where the storms and the waves is blowing and everything's going on. Except you stay in the ship, you're not going to be safe. You're not going to be safe. But what I love about God is he turns around and the storm beats this ship up. And the ship breaks up into a bunch of planks and pieces. They're floating in the water on broken pieces. And I can about imagine them holding on to them pieces saying, we listened to that man. I can't believe we listened to it. You know, but they are alive. That boat was tore up. Tore up. Brother Harrison, why don't you come and tell us about a storm? Can everybody hear me? Okay. You know, it's always hard to follow after Elder Mike. I wish I was, she would call me on me after somebody else. But can we put up Acts 27 and 11, please? Mm -hmm. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. Now, let's put up uh, Acts 27, I believe, 42 and 43. And the soldier's counsel was to kill the prisoners, lest any of them should swim out and escape. But the centurion, willing to save Paul, kept them from their purpose. So that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. Just purpose. And another word that we can use for purpose is plan. Yes. And as, as I was, as Sister Ruthie got to me, and she talked to me on Saturday... I was privileged to listen to um, Elder Kenny Taylor's Facebook post that he put up on the video. 
And he talked about all the different things that he was going through, but how one thing that stuck out to me was that God preserved his life. Yes. And that thing stuck with me all through Saturday, all through Saturday night. Well, Saturday night is when he posted, I believe. And I was here at the church watching the pavilion, and I watched it over and over and over again. And that thing, preserve life, is what stuck out to me. So I kind of want to go back um, to Paul's journey when he first started off. You know, Paul was one who wrecked havoc on the church. He did disastrous things. He, you know, we never really heard about Paul really going through a lot of tests and the trials. But it was when he got converted over, that's when you start hearing about the beatings. That's when you start hearing about the, ter- the tests and the trials, the storms. Now, this brother has gone from, I believe it was Felix first, then he got passed to Agrippa, and now he's on a ship going through a yet another storm. And he's still going to have the tenacity, the belief in God to still stand up and say, be of good cheer. Now, most of you have known me and my wife's story. You know, it's not something I keep always wanting to hearken to and talk about. But as I was beginning to think about storms in my own life, and, you know, when you go through a storm, you always want to kind of keep it behind closed doors. You never really want anybody to know what you're going through. You want to kind of walk into church and have, you know, the praise the Lord on your face. And you always want to have that, you know, everything's going well and everything. And how our storm because she's going through, but also as her husband, I'm going through it as well too. Yes. And, you know, it gets out and it's public. And I was telling my wife one time, I said, you know, the Bible is full of problems on display. If you can't see a problem, you know, how can you know that God can be a problem solver? And so as we're going through our storm and as we're going through, you know, Whispering's happening, you know, won't you go ahead and just leave? Won't you just go ahead and take off? It was good while it lasted, but it ain't the will of God. And this is what I'm hearing, not just from sinners, but I'm hearing it from saints as well, too. Come on, help us out. And I'm standing there, and I felt like, and I know I had my family, I know I had encouraging people around, but sometimes you just feel like you're all by yourself and you're surrounded and you keep hearing these voices won't you go ahead and leave won't you go ahead and take your bag and go on won't you go ahead and divorce her but I praise God that even in the midst of the storm I believed God and I praise God for that because because with Paul and that centurion it kind of brought me up because Julius was his name, so in, in the living, in the, I think it was in the Life Application Study Bible, it said that he had the highest authority. Mm-hmm. So the soldiers, again, as, chapter, as verse 42 and 43 says, they had every plan to kill those prisoners. But because the centurion had a love for Paul, yes. he kept him, and that allowed Paul to get on those broken pieces Go to, the, go to the island, as we all know, and continue further into his journey and his, mission, and his ministry. So I thank God because 
God kept me from the purpose that was planned out for me, for me and my wife not to make it. And if we didn't make it, you would not have seen Elijah. So you see how these things birth out that happens when we begin to believe God and keep ourselves in the will of God. God had a plan for Paul even before the storm. He had a plan for Paul even before Felix. He had a plan for Paul even before King Agrippa because he said he's a chosen vessel unto me. And we all been chosen by God, but we don't know the plan God has for us. Yes. You know, and sometimes we want to jump shit. I know I did. I wanted to just get out and say, you know what? This is what marriage is all about. I waited almost 10 years to get married. And all of a sudden, seven months later, I'm going through the storm of my life. Lord, are you, I mean, can, can, I, can I just testify, please? You know, and I'm, th- I'm thinking in my mind, these are things that are just going on in your mind. I'm just going to be real. And I said, Lord, this is really what marriage is all about. I've waited. I've been through relationships. It didn't work out. Some were my fault. Some were others. Doesn't matter. But now here I am, a married man. I feel like I finally obtained, you know, one of the things that I have prayed about. And here I am, now married, going through a storm. And a storm so early. You know, it really feel like we haven't really established our foundation just yet. We're still really getting to kind of get to know each other. But yet, here's this thing ready to tear us apart. But now, here I am in my house. I'm sitting in my room, and I begin to just cry out to the Lord. And I'm just saying, Lord, please hear me. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, do you hear me? I'm over here on my face going through this storm. I know you see what's going on. I know you allowed this to home. Lord, will you just help me? Come on. Lord, help me. And I'm just sitting there and I'm thinking like, Lord, do you care? And, and, and I know God cares for us. I know he's a willing saver. I know he's an ever-present help. But sometimes that storm, and that scripture even talks about how they just let the winds drive them. You know, that's, that's, that's also an action. They said the wind just got so bad that the wind just took over right. and they just went whatever the wind took them. And, I, and I'm just thinking, like, you know, I, I'm just going here and I'm going there and I'm going here and I'm going here. I'll get this phone call. I get that phone call. And it felt like I just lost all control. Come on. But because the plan of God overexceeded yes. the plan that was meant to take me out, yes. God yes. still yes. gets the victory in my life. So I praise God for that. I praise him for his faithfulness. I, I praise him. I thank the Lord because he's always, always making a way of escape for us. Hallelujah. Come on, give Brother Harrison a hand. We need to hear these things because out there they don't care for us. If we can't be real as a family, then how else do we make it? You know, so many times when we come into the house of God is praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. We're so starchy and we're so uh, closed up. And I'm not saying tell everybody your business. But what I'm saying is if you can't be a real individual and come to a real hospital with a real broken arm, a real broken heart, a real broke down situation, how do I get my help? 
How am I going to get to my miracle, my sign, or my wonder if I can't get the help I need to get where I'm going? What stood out to me is on this boat, it says uh, we were all in the ship, 203 score, 16 souls. That's about 276 people. And Paul standing up by himself. I believe God. He's hearing from God. He's getting a message from God. And he's the only voice on this boat that can save these people. What about you and me? You know, it take, we always say it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a village to save a soul. Jesus did all the work, but we are out there. We're dispersed out into the world every day, every single day. And there's something waiting on us every single day. But at the end of the day, when I can go to bed and still tell myself, I still believe. When I can close my eyes and then wake up the next morning and say, I still believe. It means something that the tests are teaching you something. What you're going through is temporary. What I'm going through is temporary. It is designed to make, to mold, to teach. And to cause me to be better. Uh, brother, brother Armand and Sister Brianna. I'm just drawing a picture of Brother Paul is not the only one. That's why I had them to come up. Because each of us face something different. But we each have a storm. As Elder Jones so delicately pointed out for us, Sister Brianna. Okay, praise the Lord, everybody. Okay, so um, thank the Lord and thank Sister Ruthie for this chance to just come up and to share my testimony, collectively our mom's testimony. And so I kind of took notes just because I didn't want to forget any details of it because God just really did a work over a span of about a year. And so it's a lot of like little details. And so I just want to make sure that I'm getting it all out. But this was at the back of, or back in November of 2018. So this was a few years ago. We didn't have any kids yet. And Armand, um, he wanted to come home and start his own business. And so he decided to um, leave his job and come home. And so he had a really good job, really well-paying job. At the time, he had been there even before we got married. So he was established. But, you know, I had, he had my full support. Um, I was all the way behind it. It made me think of in Ephesians when it talks about wives submitting to your husbands. And so I was fully supportive and all the way with him on this. And so it started out really great. Um, you know, he came home, was doing his thing. Um, I was still, I was teaching at the time, so I was still at my job, and it was going well at first, um, but then it started to get a little rocky, so um, it made me think about in Acts 27, in verses 13 and 14, everything was looking good, it talked about the, soft, the south wind blowing softly, so everything was looking good, and then in verse 14, um, it talks about, the translation says, but the weather changed abruptly, so Again, this was back in 2018, going into 2019, 
And in 2019, in March, we found out that we were pregnant with Rome. So, you know, things are different when it's just you and your spouse. And then when you bring kids into the picture, then things are very different, you know, um, especially when it comes to finances and just everything. Um, so it all, you know, started to change. So we found out we were having a baby um, at the end of the year. And so... Um, I was still teaching. I was still working at the time. Our mom was still at home um, doing this thing. And um, I always had the desire to be a stay-at-home mom. It's just something that we had even, we and me, we were agreeing, we were in agreement on, you know, we had talked about, I see my mom do it and my aunts do it, and I just wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. Um, and that's something that we were, uh, you know, talking about doing. And at the time, it just didn't look like it was going to happen. Um, it just, you know, it didn't look like it was going to happen. Um, and so we were getting closer and closer to my due date. The business wasn't going as well as we hoped it was going to go. You know, I was still teaching, but I knew this impending due date was coming. Like, it was March, April, May, June, July. Like, November was, um, November was about to hit. And so um, in Acts 27, 27... Um, it talks about how they were in the storm Eurocla down for 14 days and 14 days doesn't seem like a long time like in the grand scheme of things but when you're in the storm like I was just imagining being on a boat in a, a storm like um, Elder Mike said like a typhoon hurricane type storm for 14 days like that is a lot. Um, and so again, like we could say, oh, that's just a couple weeks, but just imagine being in it day in, day out, 24 hours a day, the sun's not shining, the rain is beating down on you. It even talks about how they stopped eating because they were just so stressed out. And so um, Paul had to tell them like, let's break our fast, like get some food in you because they had fasted, they stopped eating for two whole weeks because it just was going on. And so um, even though it didn't seem like a lot of time between um, the time that I found out I was pregnant and the time of my due date, you know, just going through it day by day, that was just, you know, um, a lot. But I love God. Um, I put down, why are you trying to figure it out? He's already worked it out. And I just love God that he's always just 20, 30, a million steps ahead of us, you know? And so while we're trying to come up with our own plans and our own thoughts, God is just always working in the background. Mm -hmm. um, and so in uh, verses 21 through 24, Paul was um, just getting encouragement from God. And um, he said, I exhort you to be of good cheer. There shall be no loss of any man's life. And then he talked about how the angel of God was encouraging him, telling him to fear not, and how he believed God. Um, I forgot what verse it was, but it talks about how he believed the things that were told to him. And so I remember just being you know, stressed out, things weren't going well, finances were really tight at the time. Um, you know, it was just a struggle. We were just trying to figure it out, you know, day by day, just seeing how this was going to work. Um, and I remember getting to the point, I remember it so clearly this day. So it was a Saturday, and you guys may have heard me talk about this before, but it was a Saturday, and I remember just getting to the point where I was just, like, so stressed out, and I just got, I went in the Rome's room, what was going to be Rome's room. And I just, like Harrison said, I just poured out to God. Like I just gave it completely to God. I remember just surrendering, telling the Lord, whatever your will is, like, I know you're going to take care of us. Then like before then I had like kind of trusted God. I had kind of given it into his hands, but I was kind of like 
taking it into my own hands too. So it was kind of like a back and forth. But I remember that Saturday clearly. I remember even holding out my hands um, to just show the Lord, like, this is what the problem is, and I'm giving it over to you. And I put both my hands out, and I remember flipping them over, and I truly was like, Lord, this is yours now. I remember coming to church the next day, and I was so encouraged, and I was so free because I just knew that God was going to work it out, whatever, however, whenever, like he was going to work it out. And I was just not stressed out about it anymore. Um, and I just, I, I really, really just love God. And so um, I just know that, like Sister Ruthie said, um, just comparing our storm to Paul's storm and how Paul was just a good cheer. He even told them the storm was still going on, but he told the people to be of good cheer because he just had that complete confidence in God. Um, and so I do thank God um, for our mind. You know, I remember him even saying, you know, if he had to work three jobs, he was going to do it. Like I never, I never doubted that we were um, going to be taken care of because our mind's just the type of man. Like he, I knew we were going to be taken care of, but I just didn't see how it was going to happen. But, you know, I definitely, definitely knew that, um, you know, God was going to make a way and our mind was going to just take care of us. However, God was going to allow him to do it. And so, um, like I said, I prayed on a Saturday, came to church on Sunday. I was feeling great. And that Monday, I went back to work. And this was in September, so almost the due date. And I remember Armand calling me, just being so excited, because the job that he left, they called him back. And they were begging him to come back, like begging him so much where they were like, name your price, we'll pay you whatever you want. He got $5 an hour raise raise on his job. They gave him more vacation days. Like they were begging him to come back. And I'm like, Lord, like you were already working this out behind the scenes. Like, I don't know what kind of conversations they were having at his job. Obviously they were talking about him and just figuring out like, what can we do to get him to come back? And so um, just, I mean, even at that job, he was already making good money. And so I remember he was just like, you know, any other job he takes, he knew he probably wasn't going to be making what he was making at his current job. But I thank God even then, um, you know, since he's still been there, God has just blessed us. Um, and then the just a couple more things that I want to say, um, how it just shows me that um, this this whole, this whole account of Eurachlodon, it just shows me that God is faithful. Like, no matter what, no matter um, the test, the situation, the trial, he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. This gave me the opportunity to have my own testimony. I had for so long listened to my parents' testimonies and my uh, the saints' testimonies yes, and my aunt's yes. testimonies just about how God made ways for all of them. And now I have my own testimony. Our family has our own testimony. Uh-huh. And it's just such a beautiful thing. So the verse I'm going to leave you with, um, Psalms 27, 14. Yes. It was the verse of the day today. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Amen. Give it to Elder Kimball. Elder Kimball is our last one. Thank you, Jesus. Y'all bear with us. Just give us a few minutes, few minutes. Amen. This is encouragement. You know they say sometimes you need to do it like a now later. Sometimes you might not need it right now, but you're going to need it later. Come on, Elder Kimball. And she asked me to speak on the Rocklodon. Amen. About the storms. Amen. And we know the Rocklodon is a Greek word, and it means northern. 
northern, northern east storm. These storms came from the northern east that caused the problem, but in verse 13, what tempts them to sail was this warm, smooth south wind. Come on. Amen. There's times in our life, folks, that warrant us not to do something, and because something else pleasant and come up, we think it was all right. But yes. we got the warning. And they took on off because of the warm breeze that came in. Amen. But that changed real quick. And I just wanted to say that to go back to this, to Saul. Amen. Saul was out persecuting the church. Mm -hmm. Amen. Because he was still under the old law. Amen. And God sent his son, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to bring on a new change. And sometimes folks don't want to change. They want to stay, keep it the, the same, the old come way. On. Change is going to come in your life. And these changes or tests put you to the test. Mm -hmm. And you got to know when to shift gear and move out of that spot you in. Amen. And there came a change in Saul's life. I didn't say Paul, I said Saul. There came a change in his life on his way down to Macedonia. Amen. How he was, amen, stopped on his journey. Amen. And God spoke to him. Jesus himself spoke to him. Amen. He was persecuting the saints. Amen. He had a letter to go and get anyone he caught. I won't say this. We as Christians, when we get on our job, we try to stay undercover sometimes. Mm -hmm. We don't want them to know what we stand for. Come on, come on. And we stay quiet. We won't, a lot of times we won't take a stand because we know we're going to be persecuted. That's right. I done been there and done that. And God don't want no coward soldiers. Yeah. Amen. He said, greater is he that is in thee than he that's in the world. Yes. Paul Peter said, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials that come upon you, because they're going to come upon you. Oh, yes. If you got the spirit of God in you, yes. you're going to have some reoclodons. Come on. Not one, you're going to have some reoclodons. You're going to go through some things. It might be at home. Amen. It might be on your job. It might be able, even where you come, to worship at. Yes. But you're going to have some Eurachlodons. And Jesus let us know, don't think it's strange. Amen. That Paul had his Eurachlodons. This wasn't his first journey. Come on. Chapter 27, this is his third on. journey. Come on. You read in chapter 28, he was on his fourth journey. Mm -hmm. Amen. He had already sought and spoke to King Agrippa. He was trying to get out of a storm that he was in. Amen. And he, he talked to King Agrippa. And he talked to him and talked to him about his situation where he was incarcerated. Amen. And King Agrippa, when he got through hearing him, he said, Thou almost persuaded me to be a Christian. Come on. In the midst of Paul, amen, speaking to King Agrippa about his storm he was in. Now, I'm speaking spiritual-wise now. I'm not speaking out on the sea. He was trying to get out of a storm, but God is in control. God is in control yes, of sir. everything. 
Amen. And he's the one that caused that soft southern wind to come in to convince them to go on and sail. Mm -hmm. Even though Paul had told them not to. God knew what he was doing. Amen. And as Paul went on and got on the ship, he didn't have no choice to get on it. Because he was incarcerated. And the only reason he had a lot of freedom, because it wasn't under death. He had already been checked out. And King Agrippa, seeing that this man hadn't done nothing to, to, for his life to be at threat or taken. And that's why he had some get up and go power to leave. And the others didn't. Because they had a death sentence that they were guilty of. But Paul wasn't guilty. But he was suffering. And you're going to suffer if you want to range with God. You're going to suffer. You're going to have your, your Eurocladons going to come in your life. And they're going to come. And they're going to keep coming until God take you up out of here. That's right. And Paul knew what he was saying because he done went through these things. He done went through these storms. And he knows what he was talking about. And he was encouraging them. But they were too busy looking at his outward appearance. Because somewhere in there, he had some shackles on. He was a prisoner. And they was looking at his outward appearance. And you got to learn, quit looking at folks' outward appearance. Yes, yes. Quit looking at what's, look at what's coming out of that vessel. Come on. If you read the word of God, yes. and you know the word of God, pay attention to what's coming out of that vessel. Yes. Amen. Because your true identity comes from the heart. Yes. You can dress this outward appearance up come on, all you come want. On, come on. But your true identity is going to come from your heart. Yes. I don't care how much you might go through. Amen. If God be for you, he said, who can be against you? Come on. Amen. When you're standing on the word of God, My God. God got your back. And Paul stayed standing on the word of God. Because when they were shipwrecked, they were on a little island called Melta. And the natives there was looking and judging them. And they seen that Paul had made it ashore. And while they had built them a fire, because it was the winter months and it was raining, they were cold. And when Paul went to get some wood to put on uh -huh. the fire, mm -hmm. that serpent bit him. Out of 276 people, God allowed that serpent to bite Paul. Come on. Sometimes you're going through your tests and in your storm, and it looked like God's working against you. All of these folks, and who did the snake bite? It bit Paul. Come on. Paul just shook it off like it wasn't nothing. Come on. When you in your test, Come you on. got to know to shake it off like it ain't nothing. When you in your test and you know God, amen, got your back. Yes, sir. Whatever it is you're going through, you shake it off. Paul shook it off. And when he shook it off, the natives was watching him. Because they knew that serpent was deadly. Come on. Venomous. And they kept their eyes on Paul. When God saved you, he didn't save you just for yourself. He said, let your light so shine that men may see your good works and glorify your heavenly father. This is what we ought to be doing. Letting our light shine.
Folks, I tell you, girl, if I was you, I wouldn't have took that, but they ain't you. You taking it because that's what God wants you to do. And they kept their eyes steadfast up on Paul. And they seen he didn't drop dead. And you know what? What they thought about him, that, that changed. They seen this man, they thought he was a god. Come on. And they began to serve him. And they brought the, 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 one of the fellas there, his father was sick. And he healed him. When he healed him, amen, they brought all their sick and flick disease. And God used him to heal them while he was in his storm. While he was in his storm. While he was in his storm. Talking about trusting in the Lord with all your heart. And leaning out to your own understanding. God is working through you when you're going through something. My God. He's working things out for you. And not only for you, but those that got their eyes steadfast upon you. They see a difference. Yes, sir. They see that you ain't like them. And they see that you are serving the true and living God. They see Jesus living down in you. On my job, I had a whole lot of storms because when you're in management, they took you as the enemy, huh, Elder Jones? Mm-hmm. I had to discipline guys. I had to fire guys. But I always let them know, I don't fire nobody. You fire yourself. Amen. But you know what was beautiful about it? Some same guys I disciplined, they would come in my office. My Bible sitting right here. It wasn't dusty. They would come in there and want me to pray for them. When you being holy unto the Lord, you'll be put in some uncomfortable positions. Yes, sir. I was telling my wife about a storm I went through. I went to a meeting, a big meeting, where all the big folks were. Representing different companies. And here's little old me mm-hmm. sitting at the table. I ain't representing nothing but Department of Public Works. And that was the department I was in. And the head guy got into it. He was chewing somebody out in front of all of us. And when he got through, instead of telling everybody at that big long table, he come to me and said, Mr. Kimball, I'm sorry for what you had to hear and this and that. And I felt this little. I felt like crawling up under the table. Because all of them other folks, they didn't have no me. But that made them turn against me. And you see that today in your tests. That folks don't know you. Unless somebody praise you. And just because somebody praising you, they'll turn against you. Sure will. You got to stay in your test. Absolutely. Paul said, except these abide in the ship, regardless of the storms that come up on you, you got to stay abiding in the ship. You got to stay abiding in God, regardless what you might be going through or faced yes, with. Sir. God's going to deliver you. He's going he's gonna to bring you out with a safe hand. Amen. Amen. And these storms you go to, 
You just keep trusting in the Lord. Come on, give Elder Kimball a hand. Hallelujah. Come on, give God some praise. Give God some praise. Give God some praise. Give God some praise. We thank God for our storms. Thank God for our tests. Heaven is in our view. Hallelujah. We're going to ask our officials to come. We're going to end with this last scripture and the rest, some on boards, some on broken pieces of the ship. And so it came to pass that they all escaped safe to land. Hallelujah. God brought them out just like Paul said they were going to. He told them if they stayed in the ship, you're going to put up with something, you're going to deal with something. And I'm going to tell you something. When I was out in the world, I, I went whole hog for the devil. I was the first one to jump in and do stuff. So now over here on this side, I got to take my share as well. Some days we cry. Maybe you feel like God got you going down an alley, around the mulberry bush, under the bushes, to bring you where he's taking you. Stay the course. Believe God. The question tonight is, I still, do I still believe God? Do I still believe God? Miracles, signs, and wonders. But do I still believe God? Can I believe him even when it gets hard? God bless you. We're going to take our offering. Come on and give God some praise. I hope something was said to encourage you. I know we went a little bit over. But y'all know we'll go home and watch TV longer than we said in Bible class. So it'll be okay. <laughs> some of us have already recorded our favorite show. We're going to go home. <laughs> We waiting to get home, eat our favorite snack, and watch our favorite show. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. I was told by our pastor to bring up, we want to make sure that we're still staying faithful to God in our giving. We did not take any offerings on Sunday, so I hope you didn't go out and buy your favorite dress or your shoes or whatever you did. Make sure you still give God what he, what he deserves. Amen. Amen. Also, we uh, received a... Uh, invitation to come and support Bethel Tabernacle, which is Elder Amos and First Lady Amos on Sunday. The service begins at 5 p.m. in the evening. Amen. Amen. We are expected to all be there. We're expected to come and support. Uh, the choir is going to be singing. No choir? All right. Amen. All right. <laughs> Ooh, y'all said that fast. Listen. <laughs> But it was good. It was good. Y'all know y'all did a good job. Y'all did a good job. All right. Let us get ready to take our offer.